no matter what your socioeconomic level, race, gender, whatever other, you know, alphabet suit that you want to come up with, no matter what that is, real estate is the is the great equalizer. Um, I can get, I can probably give you half a dozen books that talk about the people that were able to escape poverty or change generational uh, curses or be able to get them into generational wealth through real estate faster than any other strategy that exists. Worky work home sleep. Hey, 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 and don't it make for the perfect trap song? I mean, like, if a caged bird sings, then the mouse must freestyle about stacking cheese, stacking bread just to get ahead. What I mean is, I'm in a rat race on a hamster wheel. Meaning, no matter how far I think I'm going, no matter if I'm trying my hardest, it seems like I end up back just where I started, trying to make ends meet in a circle of poverty. And, and the pie graph says I'm middle class. But when I look at the radius, I only find myself in the middle of a midlife crisis, middle of a financial crisis, middle of my depression, middle of a damn panic attack. Can't even think like that. I got to go back to worky, work home sleep. Hey, 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 worky, work home sleep. This is Invest Like an Artist, demystifying finances and investing for artists and creatives of all kinds. If you're looking to learn how to empower yourself financially without wading through a lot of complicated jargon, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to continue the conversation online using the hashtag InvestLikeAnArtist. Here's your host, Candace G. Wiley. I'm here with Ivan Jenkins. Can you tell us a little bit about your background? Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Candace. Um, I am from... Utahville, South Carolina. <laughs> Utahville's been in Orangeburg County about uh, halfway between uh, Charleston and Columbia um, in, in, uh, here in South Carolina. So uh, left Utahville, came up to Clemson, South Carolina, and uh, went to Clemson University, uh, majored in uh, mechanical engineering while I was there. A little bit of business background as well. And while I was at Clemson and doing some interning, I decided that, hey, I think I want to be an entrepreneur. And uh, around that time, our real estate was going really, really good. And um, some people were making a lot of money there. And I had some influence, some influencers that were kind of led me to believe that, hey, this may be something you want to get into. So I said, why not? So jumped into real estate around 2005 and um, couldn't really turn back from there. Got involved into uh, with bird dogging, um, uh, wholesaling, fixing flips. Oh, gosh. Renting. Uh, got a license and became uh, this dealer of property management. Um, I mean, shucks, you named me some consulting after that. Uh, uh, lease options, subject twos, multifamily commercial. Yeah, a little bit of everything. You name it, I probably had something to do with it um, other than development or um, large commercial. Nope, I flipped a, flipped a hotel. Yeah, I've done a little bit of everything. You flipped a hotel? Yeah, yeah, for the hotel. Okay, into a hotel? Oh, Omaha, Nebraska. No, when I say flipped, I mean, it actually, we flipped the contract. So, oh, okay. Yeah, so for people who don't know, bird dogging is when we're able to just go and get an actual property, find a property that we can sell to somebody else. Um, nothing else is involved. Uh, wholesaling or, or flipping paper, as we call it, is when we get a property on a contract, uh, contract to purchase, and then take that take that actual contract and then sell that contract or sell the rights um, to that contract as a purchaser to someone else. 
um, uh, for a fee. And so I did that with the hotel, did that with some apartment complexes, several, several residential houses, things like that. So bird dogging is uh, somebody will hire a bird dog to go out and just spot houses and basically let them know where the, those houses are that are potential, that are prospects, right? But wholesalers, yes, effectively, yes. wholesalers have to go out and also negotiate the contract, negotiate the terms and understand a little bit more about the real estate, the, the inv- what the investor wants and what the client wants, right? In order to make those terms palatable Correct. for both. Okay. That's correct. That's correct. So yeah, a bird dog, a bird dog is, is, is effectively going out, finding a property and say, Hey, listen, I think this is a good property. Boom. Here's the contact information. Whatever you take with it is yours. And you know, they'll pay a fee for that. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't think at the time I was getting paid, like when I was in college and this was good money. Um, and some people may not think that at this time, cause they're probably looking at somebody on YouTube be like, why would you do that? Well, I can go out on a Saturday, Friday afternoon, Thursday afternoon after class and go and drive an area and find eh, 10 properties. And I had somebody who was, and I got that information for the seller of that property and handed it to somebody and they paid me between 15 and $20 per lead that I gave them. Mm. So that means, that means if I wanted some spending money that weekend and I want to make a quick 200 bucks. So in two hours, I can go make 200 bucks. So hundred bucks an hour. Tell me what you're making as a wholesaler. Right. 100 bucks an hour is not bad for anybody, um, particularly a college student. So you did this as a college student, and then you went into engineering full-time, and you also continued to deal with real estate, right? That's correct. So um, even even in college, um, you know, still doing apartments, still doing residential, uh, regular residential stuff. uh, the the recession started to happen mm-hmm. around late 07, uh, mid 08. We were feeling the effects because we had apartment complexes that literally, normally they financed just fine. All of a sudden, banks were saying, uh, well, no, we're going to hold off on this. Or we don't know what's going on. Nobody's giving us any kind of clues as to why this thing isn't closing yet. It didn't make sense. And we found out later on that, hey, the banks were clamping down on all funds that were going out. Uh, um, because the Fed wasn't giving giving them any money to actually work with at all. Uh, and Fannie and Freddie were doing the same thing. Um, so in college, I was still doing this. Um, graduated in the middle of the recession. Mm-hmm. And to be honest with you, the only reason why I went ahead and got a job as an engineer is because I graduated in 09 mm-hmm. <laughs> when, when the market was at its worst, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I uh, worked as a designer first, um, a kitchen cabinet designer of all things. And, uh, cause I had some, I had some, uh, some experience as a, as a flipper and kind of knew what people wanted to see. And I uh, still worked as an engineer and started back, um, started, started back doing, um, some more wholesales and, um, got a license around the same time. Um, that was probably around late mid to late 2009. So from there you ended up becoming an agent and then later becoming a broker which meant that that time huh? in college and the <laughs> right after you graduated, that was kind of your training ground into understanding this whole industry of real estate. Absolutely. Um, training ground would be probably the understatement of the century. Oh, yeah? It was, it, yeah. It was, uh, it was a training ground, but at the same time, it was a... Um, 
a massive learning experience. So mm -hmm. uh, on the job training where it's not uh, facilitated by anybody and, and there's nobody to stop the, the training when it goes bad. You were out not there by yourself? Pro. Yeah. Oh. I was learning on my own. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. It was, it was, hey, I want to try this. Let's go do it. Oh, um, man. Um, so, like, so, like, today, there's the, there's YouTube, and there's bigger pockets, and there's, you know, connected investors, and there's a lot of stuff that's out there now. Mm -hmm. um, at that time, it was, it was Ron Legrand, and it was um, Carlton Sheets, and it was those folks who gave you, you know, CDs and tapes and some booklets and, and said, hey, this is the ideal way to go do this thing. Um, and you went out and you tried it and you learned it and oh you God. made the mistakes. It was it was school of hard knocks, you know, one on one. Um, and so that's where that's where I cut my teeth. I cut my teeth. Um, I lost almost 10 grand um, in an earnest money in earnest money. Wow. Me and, and a, a partner. Um, 10,000 in earnest money on a hotel deal that we were flipping in Hot Springs, Arkansas. So earnest money is just the money that secures the contract. That's not a down payment. That's not anything like that. It just says I'm, I'm genu genuinely interested in buying this property and mm -hmm. something went wrong that I clearly a mentor yep. could have kept you or put you yep. on game. And it yep. was like, well, $10,000 yep. lesson learned. Yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> we, I got clients now, and I, I guard, I guard their money like it's mine. Because um, after you've been through some stuff, you're like, nah, you ain't, we ain't paying that. We're mm -hmm. not gonna do this. Because um, I've been there, been there, done that. Right. But yeah, uh, earnest money is the money that's it's, it's a good faith deposit to say, hey, listen, I plan to buy this transaction. Um, but I was a rookie back then. I didn't really want well, a rookie, rookie. I'm more like a like a seasoned sophomore, but. I'm in, I'm in the commercial game and things are different and, and you know, you don't know what mm -hmm. you don't know. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, there were some seasoned sellers out here too. And, and they knew that, Hey, if you put this money with this particular situation and you don't get what you need or you don't ask for the right thing, Hey, your contract can fall through or your due diligence period falls through. And I didn't, I didn't know how to get out of that. And because I didn't know how to get out of it, then poof. There goes the earnest money deposit. So, so yeah, been there, done it. Um, so one of the things that I encounter when I talk to people about real estate investing, if I say that I real estate invest, they're like really excited for me, right? But if I say, yeah, you should too, and they're like, oh no, it's so dangerous. This is the most dangerous thing you can do. I mean, sure, there's a really big high, but there's also a really low low. I knew this guy named Ivan <laughs> once who lost $10,000. Like in that, mm -hmm. to that person, what, what do you kind of say to them? I say you wouldn't do that when your employer tells you to invest in your 401k. Mm. Do you tell them there's a really high, high and a really low, low, and that's really, really dangerous and yada, yada, yada. The answer is no, because you hear more about um, investing in stocks or bonds or some other type of security than you do the real estate side. And you may know a guy now because you listen to this podcast. <laughs> you know you're one of you're one of the 120 thousand people that listen to this podcast, and you say, "Oh man, this guy lost 10 grand." Well, you you know one guy who lost 10 grand. How many how, how many individuals that you know that have lost well more than 10 thousand dollars in a stock market? Mm -hmm. um, the truth is, 
you're more familiar with hearing about investing in the stock market, but you know almost nothing about the stock market. Let's call it what it is. Mm. Very few people know a lot about it. And um, investing is actually the opposite of that. It's actually one of the most safest forms, uh, four safest things you can invest in because the bank is not going to lend you money to invest into the stock market, mm. but a bank will lend you money to invest in real estate. Mm. So if something costs $100, the bank is not going to give you $80 of, of its money while you while they take 20 of yours to, so you can go invest in it. But if you have a piece of real estate, the bank will gladly give you $75, $80 to go invest in that $100 piece of real estate while you, all you have to bring in is 25 to $25. So in actuality, real estate is a whole lot more safe to invest in. And so would you rather lose $100 of your own money or $80 of the bank's money? Mm. So if you look at it that way, when it comes to leverage, real estate is ridiculously safe. Mm. Ridiculously safe. So why why is real estate important to you and why is sharing this knowledge important to you? Real estate is important to me primarily because real estate is responsible for the most millionaires in this country, hands down. No matter what your socioeconomic level, race, gender, you know, whatever other, you know, alphabet suit that you want to come up with, no matter what that is, real estate is the is the great equalizer. Um, I can get, I can probably give you half a dozen books that talk about the people that were able to escape poverty or change generational uh, uh, curses or be able to get them into generational wealth through real estate faster than any other strategy that exists. Are there other strategies that, that do exist? Yes, but real estate is the number one. So why I want to share that is because I was able to learn that, understand that more than more than anything else. I went through enough stuff on my own, <laughs> and I would call myself a teacher first. And so now that I know it, I can't help but to share it with other people. Right. And I've been able to put myself in a position with a small platform, but yet it's a platform within itself. Um, and a lot of knowledge and a lot of actual street smarts and, and in the trenches uh, knowledge to be able to say, hey, I did this. Don't do this. I did this. Do this again three times faster than I did. So that's why that's why sharing this information at this time uh, means so much to me. So you guys kind of know that my strategy is real estate investing and I'm trying to learn other strategies but this is my thing right now. I love it. It's great. It's changed my life in ways that I I couldn't have imagined and it will continue changing my life. But um, so one of the things we talked about in in one of our live presentations uh, of previous episode was reimagining the American dream, not the single family home with the white picket fence. It like reimagining it in a way that the home pays you right. And so this is what you, you want to, the strategy that you want to talk to us about. It's not that you're here trying to give, convince artists and creatives and lay people basically to go buy an apartment building, but you have a very reasonable strategy for us that we may be able to start today, right? Incorrect. I want artisans, lay people, and, and creatives to go buy an apartment. Okay. And I All want right. you to come, I want y'all to come, I want y'all to come to me to come buy, to come actually do that. Okay. Um, I'll, <laughs> However, however, it takes it takes access to do that, right? Mm -hmm. you, you you need a you need a you need a foundation. Um, you're gonna have to build upon that. 
And one of the first things to, you can do if you're interested in being able to get into the real estate game, um, any, I mean, you, of course, you can go buy a, you know, a cheap $30,000 house in Detroit, um, <laughs> you know, with no much. 30000 is probably paying too much for it. Um, um, of course, you can go do that and put another 50 grand into it, um, 100 grand into it, and, and hopefully it'll cash flow. Or you can start where you are. Um, there are more people, <laughs> this is not a new concept, but, mm. um, if, if we're going to change the, the, the actual narrative of how it is that we build wealth and be able to grow wealth, because the idea of investing in real estate is very much different than it was 50 years ago. Let's, 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 let's be honest. If it's 1970, if it's 60 years old, it's 1950 and you're investing in real estate, then and you have a little bit of cash, your money went a whole lot longer. Mm. Um, you're able to buy a whole lot more stuff at that point in time. Um, this market is different. It's very much different. Um, and to be able to cash flow something, it's going to take, if you're talking to myself or a member of my team and we're going over strategy and what you need to do and kind of like what we, we do, you know, continuously, Candace, is the fact of, hey, you have to buy things right. And if you're not finding the deal in these markets, then, you're not going to be able to cash flow. You're not going to be able to get a, the, the proper return on that investment. Um, so a good place to start is to change the way we model what is the American dream. Um, and uh, we talked before about um, the book Rich Dad Poor Dad, rich, written by Robert Kiyosaki. And what, what, Mr. what Mr. Kiyosaki talks about in that book, primarily a big point of that, which he got a lot of flack for, by the way, um, um, and I vaguely remember this episode in Oprah because my mom or Anna, someone was watching Oprah and he was on there in the early 90s. And he was talking about how your house is not an asset. And people put that on their actual balance sheets all the time. My primary mm -hmm. residence, I have this amount of equity in it. Okay, you got 30000 of equity. Great. All right, cool. So what you going to do with that other than that being on your balance sheet? Um, you still have expenses with that property. You're still paying a mortgage. That mortgage has interest in the principal. It has um, it has taxes. It has insurance. It has repairs and maintenance that needs to be uh, kept up with it. Um, you're gonna you're gonna do a lot of stuff with that property. Um, you're living in it, so you can't sell it to liquidate it. Um, so is it really an asset? I I tend to agree with Mr. Kiyosaki that the house is not an asset. But one thing we have seen is that. Generation after generation after generation of immigrants that have come to this country, and you, you and I both know we use <laughs> we use these these stereotypical things up top. But we say things like, you know, God, this this ten people live in the house. What are y'all Mexicans? Mm. Or or um, you know, uh, or Italians who have generation after generation living in one actual home. Mm. They use a state. They've been doing a strategy that allows them to be able to springboard their wealth creation by keeping their costs low. Hmm. They keep costs low. They don't necessarily bring in income. They keep their costs low so you can have an incubator, so to speak. Hmm. You're not exposed to, to the world. You're not exposed to the expenses of the world. So you can, incubate your, you can incubate your income and your assets when you're being protected within an actual how the home setting. And then when you build enough, you can step out and you're walking a little bit different. You, you're a little bit more mature. Your pockets are a little bit fatter. And now your money goes a longer way, right? They did it one way. But there's a, there's a, there's a slight tweak you can do to that where, okay, if I own a home, if I want to buy a home, let's look at how I can now use that home 
turn it and make it into an asset. How we can do that is with the, is with a, a strategy called house hacking. And so what house hacking is, to define it, it's an ability to be able to take a, a place that you actually live and then be able to bring in a tenant, short-term, mid-term, or long-term, bring them into that, into that home or that house uh, so that you're able to now um, create income off of that property. Um, if I take a step back and... Um, so, yeah, Sasaki um, defines an asset as something that puts money into your pocket, where liability is something that takes money out of your pocket. So, for me, it's important to make that distinction and how do we transform the American dream from just focusing on now paying for, in my opinion, what is overpriced residential real estate that we can live in with the white picket fence and the dog and two and a half kids and two and two cars and going and working a job that's probably not going to get you anywhere past where you are. Because um, post world post World War II America is not it. It ain't gonna it's not gonna work. So how do how do we redefine that, be able to make the house an asset now and it's it's essentially so like I said a small tweak from what we used to do. Well, what we saw that was done, and rather than having the home as an incubator, let's turn the home into an asset stream or into an income stream. Um, and the way to do that is by house hacking, having a property that you own or have control over. Right? And I, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to emphasize the word control. Mm. Having control over that you can now create income within, whether that's renting out a bedroom. Uh, having a, uh, an actual basement, having an actual bonus room that you can turn into a rental that people can live in and or um, uh, sleep in or fill in the blank, um, having, a, uh, having an extra bedroom, having a, um, a garage, a, a, a total separate garage, a garage that's attached to the property that you can build out and make into a living quarter, having a detached garage you can do it with, having a detached garage with a room above it, that you can be able to rent out. So having a primary residence that you use for the purpose of being able to make income off of. Um, now, that's not the end of it. There are other ways to do it as well. You can still be able to purchase a, a multifamily property, duplex, three-unit, or four-unit property with a standard uh, residential mortgage. You can still do that and rent those units out too, right? But that becomes a strategy for a person that's probably looking to become long-term um, real estate investor. If that's what you're looking to do, absolutely, let's do that. Live in one of the units, rent the rest of them out. You can absolutely do that. Um, but however, as a springboard to be able to get ready to get into financial independence by using this tool of real estate, the actual house hack makes a lot of sense for a lot of people because almost everybody understands, at least at a basic level, what real estate is really about. So I want to ask you, when you encounter people, especially if you're talking about sharing your own space with somebody else, well, when I encounter people, I the feedback I get from them are, oh, it's gross, or oh, girl, I can't go back to having roommates, or there's a safety issue. I don't feel comfortable with those people staying with me. What What's your response in those scenarios? My response is, you're right. My response is, you're right if you believe that people are gross or that you can't go back to having roommates or that, um, <laughs> or you don't want to share your, your space with other people. You're absolutely right. And I'm, I am not, 
I am not specifically looking to um, prove anybody wrong when it comes to that. Because if whoever said it, we can't remember who said it, but if you believe something, you're right. Also, I believe that, hey, if if I want to be a, become a millionaire, I'm right too. Um, so if you believe that, then you're absolutely right. But there are ways that we can be able to um, get around those issues. Those are There are ways that we can leverage against the things that we don't want. And the ways that we do that are by having people in place and being able to leverage and say, hey, I don't want to scream against the people that I don't want, against smokers, against people who maybe that may have me abuse alcohol or people that uh, that are unsavory to what it is that I want. Or if I don't people around me all the time, phenomenal. There's short-term rentals that you can take advantage of. You can do things, you can rent that property out only in the times that you're not going to be there. Right. Hey, I'm an artist, I'm a creative, and I'm going to be traveling a lot, and I'm going to be writing for a lot of people. I'm gone six months, nine months out of the year. I can actually now rent my space out for the times that I'm not there. Right. So there's ways around all of these particular situations. Um, so, yeah, we can work with it if you're open to saying, hey, I want to use real estate as a strategy in my portfolio to be able to make income and to be able to benefit myself, my family, my future family, generations after me. And I want to use it as a springboard because it may, wherever I am, it may be a little bit more expensive to live and or to be able to get into an investing by buying more than one property at a time. There's a quote that I'm also, I can't remember who said it, but he said something like, I, I, I'm willing to live the way no one does now in order to live the way no one can later or something like that. So, you know, yep. there's some- Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey, okay. There's, there's some delayed yep. gratification yep. there. There's some right. uh, figuring out the, the answer to how versus like, Sometimes you just shut it down before you ask how, like, what are my concerns and how can I address them? So you were talking earlier about if you've ever stayed in a dorm room, you stayed in a, a, a situation that was grosser, less safe and less comfortable than what we're talking about here with the house hacking. Right. Right. Yeah. And that was involuntary. So, I mean, if you went to college and didn't get the opportunity to choose your roommate, which I think that makes up a lot of people. Right. You don't have a choice in who you're going to be with. You had no choice who was going to use the the same, you know, communal bathroom that you that you had, right? Mm. And guess what? You were paying somebody to do that, <laughs> right? <laughs> you you were paying to be grossed out. You were paying to, you know, not have the people be with you that you didn't really necessarily want to be around. Be um, in this case, we can, can we can flip that. To be smoked out of your room, to wake up and there's barf outside your door, to have somebody having <laughs> sex like right here in your face. Like <laughs> you paid somebody to do all that. And so now oh, we're, right. we're talking about a completely different situation where you can screen people. <laughs> yep. Yep. If you, I mean, you, you can live in a city that's growing like crazy and literally. You have people that don't want to pay ridiculous rates for lodging and that will agree to pay you ridiculous amounts of money, 80, 90, 100, $125 a night just to stay in your place. And what if they did that for 10, 12 nights out of the actual, I mean, out of the actual month? That would 
more than pay for your mortgage, more than pay for your, your overhead and expenses. And let's just say you don't even have to completely leave the place that you're staying. Mm -hmm. Like they're here and then they're gone. And I think you and I both know if they can afford that, then chances are that they're not going to get in your way. They're not going to be a problem for you. Right. You can hire you can hire companies that can be able to come in and and change the towels and and, and clean up when you're done. You don't even have to touch it mm, mm. if you don't want to. Yeah. So they're waiting to get around it. If you clean it yourself, it will be nasty. Uh, my first Airbnb, I think, uh, like I had some kind of what do you call the couches that aren't real couches? And the um, it was like microfiber. It was stuff like an or IKEA. Like it was an IKEA couch. You pull the oh, cover yeah. over and stuff it in. <laughs> And stuff it in and I went and like pulled that thing off after my like third guest and like there were nail clippings in there <laughs> and in my mind I was like oh my gosh but at the same time I was like but he paid me $300 I'll deal with these nail clippings you know <laughs> and like work my way to the point where it makes financial sense to have a cleaner deal with the nail clippings you know right right the, the human residue um, yeah. And then also like for for travelers, I think travelers kind of have a different outlook on this kind of thing because anybody like anybody who's been on tour, like poets who have been on tour, anybody mm -hmm. who's like backpacked across whatever place has mm -hmm. couch surfed their way through in a region of a particular country. And so kind of have a more flexible mindset about what they need to live and what they need to call their own. Like I remember camping on the beach in Colombia and thinking all I need is this six this square, <laughs> the square foot of six feet <laughs> in my tent. I'm so happy here on this beach. I only need a couple of swimsuits and a change of clothes. Like the things <laughs> that make you happy are very different right. than the things that you think you need sometimes. Very much, very much true. So I can I can I can I can attest to that. And if we we could be getting into hey what's what's minimalistic, right? Mm -hmm. And that kind of thing. And and let's be honest, a lot of stuff that we're talking about right now is very counter to what Americana is. Mm -hmm. Amer Americana is big and bold, and I have all this, and you know, I drive my you know four thousand pound nine mile to a gallon SUV and you know, all of this is mine. I have a right to this and a right to that. And you're absolutely correct in that estimation. And the idea of, hey, sharing my space, even voluntarily mm. with somebody else is can be problematic and and go against it's a it's a count is counter to the narrative mm. that we've learned or we have been we have been learned, if that makes sense, or been taught. Um, and so we we have to now unlearn those things if sometimes to be able to make a springboard for financial independence. Mm. And something that I believe that is very, very, very attainable, even if, even if it's for a short term. Because um, where would you be right now if you didn't have to make a mortgage payment for three years? Ooh, oh, my goodness. Um, and, still live in, and still live in your house. How so? How can we? How can we make? I mean, literally, just think about how simplified that can be. Mm -hmm. um, and I think house hacking is a, is a way that we can get that done. So and we can, and we're advising a lot of our 
a lot of our new clients, um, new investors that want to do this, we're advising them on how to go about this process and how do you do it. And it's a it's a mind shift. It's definitely it's definitely a mind a mind shift, without a doubt. So talk to me about ways to like if we're asking the question, well, how can I do this and still be safe? What are some solutions that you see? If safety oh, is absolutely. Concerned? So if safety is an issue, that is something that you can screen out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you're looking at a long-term tenant, for example, or if you're looking at even a short-term tenant, running a standard criminal um, criminal background, criminal and background check is probably going to be absolute necessary. That's going to be by default. You're going to do that no matter what. You're going to want to know who you're going to be sharing your space with, right? Mm-hmm. Um, even by looking at it in your criminal report, you can see, hey, DUI or whatever here. Oh, that's, maybe that's somebody that I don't want. I don't want in in my place, or you know, some kind of violent arrest, or uh, or or domestic violence, or anything along those lines. Oh, okay, I don't want you here. Mm. Um, um, or any kind of drama. unsavory background. I say because they bring Oops, the sorry. drama. You don't want domestic violence. <laughs> that's right. You don't, you, don't, you don't want that. You don't, yeah. you don't want that. We don't want. Um, and uh, so you can you can be able to screen for that. And if you don't know how to screen, you can hire that out. Mm-hmm. A standard property manager. Property managers know what to look for, right? Mm-hmm. Hire a property manager. You have to pay them a fee, but that's what you're paying for to be able to be safe and still be able to still still turn your your house into an asset. Mm-hmm. Remember, we need to keep that at the forefront. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, keep it at the forefront. Um, if you're doing the short-term rental type stuff, whatever, you can still do the same thing. You still want to know, hey, there, and maybe and you can you can probably be able to uh, attest to this more than I can. But um, are there certain things that Airbnb or, or Verbo do they have in place for the actual um, for the actual uh, the actual tenant or the person or the actual vacationer who's living in that place that that the uh, the actual um, a homeowner can be able to use to know that they're getting a person that that. Um, is uh, of their liking, of their choosing. With those platforms, you look at people's reviews. So uh, the it's like the, what do you call that when the public attests to a person or whatever? It's that kind of system. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you set up other things. So you can have the doorbell camera so that you can right. see who's at your front door. You can have right. cameras outside your house. I don't put them inside of any of my properties. And mm-hmm. you can also, depending on how you're renting it, sometimes it's more functional to have locks on the bedroom doors. For example, if like guest one is is staying in bedroom one, but guest two is a completely different party and staying in bedroom two, they might want security against each other. So you give them both keys, physical keys, and let them lock the door on their bedroom so that their things stay safe. You don't have to worry about anybody coming and saying a credit card is missing because they were able to lock the doors in their rooms. Bingo, bingo. So that's 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 good too. And then you have situations where, okay, well, do we have to change locks every time somebody leaves? What if they don't leave a lock or whatever? Then, I mean, mm-hmm. leave a key, sorry. But right. to change keys every single time somebody does, maybe they take my key with me. Well, we, we can implement a whole lot of other strategies where they have to download an app or they have to have right. um, some other electronic access to the property that you don't have a physical key for. So there are a myriad of different ways if, if to be able to get around the um, the quote unquote safety issue um, that we can talk to you know talk to anybody about. There are many things that I love about house hacking. Of, of among the things is one, it's low risk, high reward, 
And Lisa Cortez talked about this on, I think it was episode three or four for us, but she was talking about it, talking about it in this way that I hadn't thought about before, just in your art, low risk, high reward. But this is a, a phrase that we hear a lot in investing, low risk, you already own or have control of this property, high reward. Right. Now you can not only use it as an incubator, but use it as a house hack. And yes. two is historically our bag. Like historically, yeah. the, how else, I mean, Green Book, how else would Green Book exist yeah. if there weren't people yeah. who said, put me, put my name in that book, they can come stay with me, whoever's traveling through town can come stay with go. me or in this building that I own or whatever, whatever, is historically our bag. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. Hospitality within, within as a whole is, is, is definitely within the culture. Um, especially when it comes to creatives <laughs> too, on top of that, mm. you know, couch surfing, whatever it may be. Hey, I gotta be here for this period of time. Can you help me out, hook me up, whatever that is. I need a, I need a place to lay my head. Mm -hmm. um, just turning that into a way, hey, okay, cool. Now let's monetize. Let's monetize something that we are doing or have done in the past for nothing. Mm. With, and, and gotten this, did it because out of the, the kindness of our hearts. All right, great. Now let's monetize that and make it a way of, of financial independence or financial freedom for us, um, rather than trying to find the things that are that are naturally going to be there anyway, right. uh, or continuing with some form of fear mongering um, amongst what it is that we're doing just because. Right. When people say, "Oh, investing so risky, it's so risky," I just think, okay, let's do this math. If we max out our 401ks, if we keep making the same amount, when maybe we get a 3% raise every year to keep up with inflation or whatever. Do the math, tell me where you'll be in 10 years, in 30 years, and then tell me whether living that life is risky or whether mm -hmm. investing is risky. And maybe maybe you take a loss, you will take a loss. That's not a, there's not a maybe. You will take a loss in some way, but if you do this right, you will win in more ways than you lose. Bingo. The, U the U.S. Census Bureau does this for us. The U.S. Census Bureau already tells us that, hey, we are not getting paid to keep up with inflation right now. Mm. There's no way in the world. Mm. If you look at the dollar as compared to 1950, 60, 70, in the 80s and the 90s, literally the amount of spending power that the dollar has has gone down every single year with, with adjustments for inflation. Mm. There's no way, there's no employer that's paying you enough right now. Okay, great, you make six figures. You're creative, but you make your own money, right? Or maybe you work full-time and you're, mm -hmm. you're creative as well. Guess what? You're still not making it. You're still not breaking even. So where are you going to be 20 years from now, 30 years from now? Mm -hmm. I, I, I could probably pretty much promise you that you're not going to keep up with that. So we need an inflation-adjusted vehicle that will allow us to have that income no matter what. So if you're charging $50 a night for your rental, guess what's going to happen? Everybody's going to be there trying to rent from you, probably, because mm -hmm. you're under the market, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But let's say you're at where the market is, and that market is wherever your whatever your location is, and you're at hundred dollars a night. Well, you're not going to stay at hundred dollars a night for the next ten years. Chances are you're going to increase that, 120, 30, 50. By 20 years from now, you may be at 220 bucks a night. Mm -hmm. That's inflation adjusted. Nothing's happened. Nothing's changed. However, the same property that you have, 
the same room that you're renting, all that stays the same, but now it's inflation adjusted and people are going to pay for it. So Ivan, what, if do you, want to what do you say to people who say, oh, but the market just crashed. We don't know where it's at a high now. It's going to crash again. I don't know if house hacking is the right answer. What would you say? What's the market? You're talking about the stock market? Yes, the stock market is going to crash. Um, the real estate market. The real estate market, which scared so many people and, and hurt so many people in 2008, the way right. we were talking about, 2007, right. 8, and 9. What, what do you say to people who are looking at that and going, oh, no, that's a cautionary tale? Mm -hmm. I say that I can't wait for, and this is me, I can't wait for that to happen again. Oh I say God. this because what happens... <laughs> What happens when that market changes? Do do people not want places to stay? Mm -hmm. Do people still not go to markets where conventions are happening or concerts are happening or events are happening or basketball games or whatever are happening? Do people stop doing that? The studies will, will tell you the opposite. Entertainment actually goes up during recessions because people are looking to escape from where they are. Mm -hmm. People are finding money to go to look at movies, to go to Beyonce's concerts and Madonna concerts during the recession. Their numbers went up, literally, because people are looking for places to go to escape where they are. People are, people are now traveling to go to job interviews. People are traveling to go to a lot of different things. What's happening, what happens in a real estate market or what, value, what, what affects values have nothing, real estate values, mm -hmm. has little to nothing to do with how you create income in your properties. Mm. Because as a real estate investor and a broker, I'm going to tell my clients and I'm going to tell anybody who comes to talk to me, hey, I want you to be in the residential rental market um, when this happens. Why? Because sadly, some people are going to lose their homes. Mm. When they lose their homes and their foreclosure is on, is on their actual record, eh, where can they, they can't buy another one immediately. They're going to have to rent and they're gonna look at you. And if you're in a short-term or long-term rental space, if you got a if you got a a studio above a above a garage away from your home, and the single person needs to stay there, they're gonna pay you mm -hmm. to do that. And, so and while everybody else's uh, living situation is a little bit more tenuous because they may be behind on their payments, hopefully you've managed your rental right that you're ahead right. on your payments and you're still bringing in income that pay your mortgage. Bingo. Yeah. Bingo. Now we, we use this term a lot, but let's think about it. The financial independence piece. What does that really mean? Having an actual, and maybe you're not completely there yet, but to have somebody to be able to pay your mortgage and you don't necessarily have to actively do it. You're just offering a place where somebody's paying money and then that money is bringing in the, 800,000, 12, 15, 1800 bucks a month, whatever that takes to pay your mortgage, you're not doing that right now, even in a bad market. So that's still coming in and allowing yourself to be now be independent of the market swings, i.e. financial independence, even on a small scale. And it's important to be able to look at that for what it is. And let's not talk about the actual equity pay down that you're getting. Mm. Somebody else is now paying for your mortgage on the house that you're living in. Somebody's actually paying the taxes down to pay the taxes for the property that you're still living in. Somebody is giving you all the benefits that you've always had before in your particular property and you're still living there. This is why it's called a hack. It's a house hack. Bingo. 
It's a cheat code. Big girl. In every way. Big time. Mm-hmm. Big time. You just gotta get over yourself. Cause you, I mean, there's there's an excuse for everything. Absolutely. There's an excuse for you not. You, there's an excuse for you not taking that next gig. There's a, there's an excuse for you not doing the next thing that you want to do within your career or within the the particulars, you know, um, uh, art that you have. There is a reason for you not doing, doing that next thing, but you still find ways to still do that. Do that here too. Learn about it, educate yourself about it, and get over the excuses, get over the the objections to it, and try and see what it's really about. Because I think you're gonna be you're gonna definitely benefit from from it. Talk to talk to some people. Talk to yourself. Talk to my team. Talk to the people that are actually doing it and show you how to do it, and then get educated. Don't make decisions out of ignorance. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. That's the worst thing to do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Remember. Maybe the worst thing, but it's definitely a bad thing to do. Making decisions out of ignorance. Well, okay. But it's pretty bad, yeah. Um, So so what do most people need to know about this particular strategy? And then what do artists in particular need to know? What people need to know is that it's a very powerful strategy. And it's not a have-all. I mean, it's not an end-all to anything, right? This I always say that this is a good strategy for a... I mean, it's a good method. You need to have a strategy around it, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to house hack because I want to do what next, mm-hmm. right? This is, this is not your final job here, right? This isn't, you know, you're not, this, this is the mail room um, to, to real estate investing, right? You're not going to be in the mail room for the next 40 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do we make this right? So you're going to, are you going to do this for equity build? And are we going to take the equity over the next couple of years that we built and then take that tap that equity to buy another property away, away from this property. Or are we going to look at this to pay this property completely off so that we can sell it and move it into something different, maybe a duplex or something else? Are we going to sell this property and put this money into the stock market into some kind of actual uh, equity vehicle? I mean, sorry, some kind of vehicle that can be able to pay me now without having to worry about um, the, the stock market drops that we talked about. Um, their professionals that. And actually help us with that. He was one of them was on a um, one of your uh, on, on the first episode. As a matter of fact, I can show you how to do that. What is what are our next steps, right? So what they need to know is that one that house hacking is not the is not the thing. It's only a thing, and it's one it's one of the one additional tool. I think you mentioned a while back talking about being a hammer and everything is a nail, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that hammer is a tool. It's a single tool. It's a screwdriver. It's a pliers. It's a it's a tape measure. It's one thing that needs to go into a tool belt or tool box so that you can be able to handle a project. In this case, the project is your financial independence. Mm. So look at it as a tool and a tool alone. What else do we need? Do we so we need to be able to sit down and talk about and look and make an actual instructional booklet um, of how to put this thing together, your specific financial plan together, and you. Use this as a tool. That's the first thing that people need to know. Um, second, people need to understand the actual financial benefits and the risks that go along with it. Okay, with that, you need to sit down with your tax professional. Sit down with your real estate professional. You know, somebody like like, like me or my team, um, or or other people that you that you may trust that have done it before. You do Airbnbs and VR mm-hmm. and verbos. Talk to people who who are doing it, um, and so uh, so you can understand how it affects you, your business, 
your life, because this is your life in this case, this is a home that you actually live in. Um, they need to they need to be surround themselves with enough information so that they can make they can make informed decisions. I think those two are the are the biggest takeaways. Third, hey, with the money you're gonna make, the things you're gonna do, I talked about this before, make a strategy. How how does this go along with the rest of my actual strategy? And then go from there. So and then what, after that, they, now they can make a decision. That's interesting. One of the things that is the common theme throughout is like have a have a plan, have a financial plan. You have a plan for everything else, have a financial plan. Even if you decide to house hack because it's a low risk, high reward thing, you need to know what your goal is and how much it takes to get to that goal. You can't just be doing this all willy nilly or you can. You can't expect an exponential result when you have no plan in place. Right. You're you're playing with a like simple arithmetic with no plan, whereas you could be playing with sure. algebra with a plan in place. Thank and that, that's something that I keep seeing throughout. Now, talk to me about prepping for a loan and going through that process. Need a budget, um, especially creators. You need a budget. You need to have a budget. That's one of the, one of the biggest takeaways. Know what you can afford. And sometimes you may not be able to afford it yourself. That's okay. Hey, guess what? Maybe there's some creatives out there. Maybe there's a friend. Maybe there's one of the family members that want to buy a home too. You can house hack. You can house hack together. You can buy a four bedroom, five bedroom house, and then in and with the with the garage on the side, you can strategize for these things, mm. right? You don't have to say, hey, this is the only thing we can do. What can we do? Um, I was talking with a couple um, uh, at one of our meetups recently. And, you know, they live in a property that they don't have to pay for. I'm still talking to them about house hacking. Yeah, you don't have to pay for this home. And they have their, they make high incomes. Still house hack. Because guess what? There's a garage hmm. with a unit above the garage that nobody's doing anything with. Hey, spend some money. Let's do something with this. Let's, you're not spending money on housing expenses right now. However, you're still paying for utilities. You're still paying for that. You're probably eating out too much. Okay, cool. Let's look at how we offset that too, because you can still use this strategy no matter when, where, what. Do you are you single and do you have a parent that is that is that maybe wants to move in with you? Can y'all both have an income that can be able to support um, an actual home? I, you probably do. Like, let everything be on the table. Do you and a friend or a couple friends have can go into a property and find one and, and it has an actual garage, but it's only one car. Can we park in the driveway and can we build this garage out and make it into a whole other unit? Can we do that? The answer is probably yes. Let's do let's let's buy it and do that for that purpose. And then let's rent that out to offset all of our costs. Mm-hmm. And maybe now three of us are living living with with living for free rather mm-hmm. than just one. Mm-hmm. And now our incomes are going to set us up for the next thing. Everybody should have a different strategy. Hey, this is going to take me three years. This is going to take me five years. This is going to take me seven years. But everybody knows what the plan is. And you go in from there. But everybody has, start with a budget. Then you want to strategize and find, hey, how can we be able to afford this? Talk to a talk to a reputable um, a mortgage broker. Some people are just into sales, right? Um, call me or people on my team. We can point you in the right direction for the mortgage broker um, and or a mortgage professional that can be able to, to be able to underwrite your mortgage for your situation, because we should be able to, if you're professional in this particular business, you're not just looking for the person with the W-2 income, you make this amount, you meet this DTI, you're making it easy. No, we should be able to fix or to, not fix, but we should be able to work with 
any potential client and give them an actual strategy that they will need to be able to qualify for the loan that they're looking for that accomplishes their financial um, visions and their dreams. So you personalize the strategy for each client? Everybody should be doing that. And the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Right? Everybody, so nobody is, nobody is off, nobody is, 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 uh, is impossible to work with. Mm-hmm. However, after, after a person gets, they, hey, do this and then do this and then do this, well, we expect you guys to do that. We're not going to sit, I mean, everybody's not going to sit there and hold your hand through it. We're going to tell you, hey, we, we need you to get here. So if we need you to get this stuff, clean up your credit report, hey, we need you to, you know, start the process of trying to do this. If we need to make sure that three, your three months of income um, or three months, uh, your last three months of bank statements are clean without a bunch of crap on it, with enough income, hey, we expect you to start working on that and seeing what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And those are some basic stuff that you can get from, from any mortgage broker. But start with your budget. And after that, talk with the professional. The professional can let you know, hey, what are the minimum standards? And do what you need to do to meet those minimum standards. So after you meet those minimum standards, we can go from there. As as an artist or creative or however you define yourself, you have to figure out your why. That's your big question around why you're pursuing financial freedom in the first place. And your why has to be so so important, so intrinsic that intrinsic? That's not a word, but we're gonna make it a no, word right now. No, Just I'm, go with me. I got three I'm degrees. I'm not, I'm not the person to ask about words. I got three degrees in literature, <laughs> and that qualifies me to make up words as I see fit. So, I, I, so your why has to be so important that you can't make an excuse as to why not, right? Excuses, when it comes to excuses, you're the only person who believes yeah. your excuses, right? So your why can't be just, I want more money, because that's not a good enough reason. It's not going to keep you in the trenches when it gets hard. Um, your why right. has to be something so important. I want to be able to be there for my, my parents as they get older. That's mine personally. I want to be able to spend time with my kids as they get older. Like whatever the case may be, if you are always working 80 hours a week and you have kids, then you can't figure out how to make money while you're sleeping. You will always have to work for it. Right. So figuring that's a big enough reason why that like it's a reason that'll hold you your your feet to the fire and make you follow through on some things so you figure out your why you figure out your what you talk to an expert you get a mentor you you get professionals in this plan with you and they help you modify your what and help give you the how how do you accomplish this you don't have to figure out how on your own that's not your job your job is to figure out your why and then like ballpark a what and once you ballpark a what your professionals, your experts, your mentors will help you refine that what and then give you the how to get there, right? This podcast episode is sponsored by Body and Earth Body Butters. 
This is Dominique Loris, the owner, and this body butter is all natural and the essential oils are directed towards making problems better like eczema, diabetes, acne, cramps, all different things. Okay, so I'm going to open this right now and see what it's... Mm. What is the smell? What a, This smells amazing. What is the smell that I'm smelling? Which one is that? This is balance. I have balance and I have cramps in my hands. Balance has frankincense, veltiver, cedarwood, and yang yang. And all of and a unikite stone in there. We, I have healing stones in each one that are directed towards the same problem. And all of them have shea butter, coconut oil, and olive oil in them. I'm feeling it right now. I'm running my hands through it. It feels like, it feels so soft, like whipped. It feels whipped. Yes. Yeah. It is a whipped body butter to get the the wonderful consistency. Not too the oily. Smoothness. Goes on smooth. Feels really nice. Smells really good. Where can they reach you? Um, I have an Instagram, Body and Earth is the Instagram, and then I have an email, bodyandearth833 at gmail.com. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. So, so do you want to zoom in on a particular example, or do you want to skip ahead and give us some rules to thrive by? How do you want to play this? Um. Yeah, so if we go to specific examples. Okay. Um, I kind of did one a few minutes ago. Um, that's kind of on the on the cusp. They're kind of on the cusp of it. Mm-hmm. Um, new new couple. Uh, well, uh, that's a new couple, but uh, engaged couple. Um, analyst and dentist. I believe that's the, their professions. And high income with. And this is maybe one of the far end examples, but high income um, with no housing expenses. Mm-hmm. And they want to. They're trying to figure out how to invest in real estate in Greenville. Mm. Greenville, South Carolina is the, is the market that we're in locally. Greenville, Greenville real estate is getting expensive. Um, and uh, rental rates are not uh, going up to match it, mm. if, if you know what I mean. So, for example, let's say uh, you've got properties that are worth, that are valued at probably around two, 230. That's on the median side, maybe 250. Um, and depending on where you are and your rents are going to be probably going to tap out around 1400 a month. You're not going to make a lot of money doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they don't own their primary residence currently. Um, and they are planning to do that at some point in time. Well, if you plan to buy a if you plan to buy a home, okay, let's look for one that we can be able to say that we're going to have a rental dwelling with ins- inside of it. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just them two. And let's say they're going to plan on having a child at some point in time. Um, let's say that child is probably, you know, by the time they're up and about and doing a bunch of stuff, they're three years out. So what can you do in that three-year period? You can do a lot. Um, so with the income that you have, you take that income, um, be able to buy something, be able to, to advise them appropriately how to get it rented um, and offset completely their, their current mortgage. Mm-hmm. And maybe a little bit more on top of it. So now, let's say relatively three years, four years, maybe they have no mortgage payments. Now you have grown equity with no with with no actual money out of your own pocket. All you did was buy buy a property and you got paid for um, for you for three years. Um, now you save probably some along lines of thirty to forty thousand dollars of principal interest payments. Now what can you do with that? Maybe we can sell this one and buy another one. 
Now we rent out the whole property. Now, now in, in this case, their strategy is 34 years. Now we sell this whole property. We rent this whole property out. And now both the bottom and the top or both units within one. Now you can be able to take, now you can be able to rent out uh, both pieces of this, of this, of this first property and buy another one. Now you have what the, your initial property now is completely paying for itself and potentially paying for the new property you just bought too. Now you're growing assets slowly but surely and never actually having to have a mortgage payment probably into perpetuity. Mm. So that's a good ask. That's a good way of looking at it. that's that's the, this particular um, this particular uh, a couple situation. Um, I have another client who literally just bought bought a four bedroom two bath property back in I think it was December of 2018. I believe that's when he, when he bought it. Um, single, um, no children, with that space, mortgage payment, PITI altogether, probably eight hundred at eight hundred and fifty dollars. I think a month mm-hmm. is where is where you're sitting at right now. Mm-hmm. Um, now with being able to rent out the largest room in that property while he lives in another another one of the three three bedrooms that are, that, are, that remain. Not the largest room, the master with the ensuite. Um, he can rent that out for three days out of the three days out of the month for three two and a half two and a half weeks out of the month. So less than half of the actual month. Now he is completely mortgage free, including HOA, including everything on with that with that property. Mm. He can do that on the weekends as much as he wants to, right. because his father still lives locally. So he can move out of the, he can move out out of the house completely and let somebody live there for a whole weekend or a week and it still offsets the entire mortgage. Right. Not having So the potentials are definitely if your mortgage is thirty percent of your income, twenty to thirty percent of your income, that's a good chunk of your income. It's almost as much as what the government takes. So yes. just keeping that in mind, I mean it's it's like being taxed twice to have to pay for your mortgage or rent. And then to also have to pay for taxes is like being taxed twice. You end up with 50% of the income that you actually bring in rather than like figuring out a way to house hack, figuring out a way to get that off your expenses, which is not off. It's just offset. Mm -hmm. And then being able to to live at 70% of what you make. Bingo. And it's even worse if you're creative or if you're working within the gig economy. Mm -hmm. Um, All the money you bring in belongs to you. Now you have to prove why you can keep it. (laughs) <laughs> and so it makes it it makes it even worse sometimes if you can't prove why. I was gonna say if so if you can't prove why your house is is an asset for you and now it's part of a business. So now some of the expenses you have with running that business, and I'm not a tax professional, let me put that out there. Mm. Now you can show how some of your regular expenses for your home are now a part of a business, and now you can be able to offset some of that income by paying your normal bills. When you deal with um, artists and you help them find ways to get loans, what if what happens when the majority, if not all of their income is 1099? Or maybe this is a new thing for them, 1099 income. So if, so if, if 1099 is a new thing for them, that can be problematic, right? Mm-hmm. Now we have to find a way to get your income a little bit more regular, mm-hmm. right? So that's a sacrifice. So you chose the particular job that you want to have and you chose that, now we have to figure out, okay, if you want to buy this home and you don't have the two-year or three-year history in 1099, okay, great. Maybe can you work out a situation where your employer will allow you to be a W-2 for 
a couple for several months, three, four months, six months? Mm. Um, do we say, um, can they pay, can they 1099 you for everything into an LLC that you belong and now you can pay yourself a W-2 to make it easier. Oh. Um, can you go and get another? Listen, don't, don't get me started on this. That's that's outside of the realm of this podcast. Okay, I'm sorry. But we can talk about this later. That got juicy. We can talk about this later. Okay. So... <laughs> we, there's, some, there's, some creative, there's some creative strategies to work to work this. Mm. Um, do you go and you get a an additional job? Do you go get an additional job that pays you W two along with your ten ninety nine? Mm. You moonlight a little bit. It, it it boils down to what we talked about. What are you? What things are the most important for you? Mm. Um, and and are, how do you not make excuses and get done what we have to get done? And that's a part of what we do. A lot of clients that we have, we walk walk them through what those steps are and what it could look like for them to be able to get free. And what are you willing to do for a short period of time? to be able to have what you want long-term. Right. So give us some rules to thrive by. Mm. Rules to thrive by. Um, One, budget, budget, budget. Mm. Um, If you, if you don't know what you're spending, you're probably spending too much. Mm. If you don't know what you're making, you're probably, well, if you don't know what you're making, you're making too much, but that's not a problem. But if you don't have, if you have more month at the end of your money, that's probably a problem you can control. Um, a part of the financial independence piece is being able to be as responsible as you possibly can and accountable to yourself for your financial situation. The budget is probably the, the first step with, um, and a lot of people don't really take advantage of that, um, especially creatives. <laughs> I tend to kind of be one. I'm more of a visionary. I'm not a. I'm not a pure creative. I'm also not a pure analytical person either. So yeah, I'm an engineer by trade. But as you can notice, I'm no longer an engineer. Mm. I still problem solve, but I problem solve from a very very high level, mm. right? And so I understand how it is to kind of be uh, free spirited, letting things go, things let things kind of happen to you. Uh, it's important. It's vital. Is vital to budget. Knowing what you're spending, giving you giving a, a name to that dollar, and deciding where it's going to go. Right. Mm-hmm. The discipline that comes with that goes goes a long way. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm doing it, and I'm learning it, and I'm looking like, wow, how much time did I waste? How much time? Because when I was doing well, especially in real estate, and I didn't know any better, man, how much how much money kind of went through my hands. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the budget very very important. Um, education. It goes beyond formal education. Educate yourself on what it is that it is that you think you want to do. I mentioned it earlier, and I can't understate it. Make certain, absolutely certain, that what it is that you're doing is you're not making a decision out of ignorance. It's the absolute most informed decision you possibly can make. You still won't know everything, but still make sure that you are well-informed about what it is that you're doing or want to do. With that too, don't be too optimistic or too pessimistic. Mm. Be completely open-minded when it comes to it. So when you're going to educate yourself, don't educate yourself to prove to prove your wrongs or disprove your wrongs, or don't go to to you know reinforce what you think is positive because they they both they both can create unnecessary an an, an 
and unnecessary bias for you. Mm -hmm. So don't do either. Be completely open-minded. Talk to people who have who have done well and have failed. And if you talk to somebody who's, who's failed, hey, ask them for a reference. You can talk to them too, mm -hmm. right? Be as informed as you possibly can be um, when you're actually doing something. So for me, those are two, two, two large rules that I have um, on the budget side and making sure you keep education first. You go with those things, and you can you can apply that to anything. Number three that is, is how no, hacking a really Number three is no biases. Open minded. Ah, mm -hmm. true. I can I can go with that too. I can go with that too. And that's and that's hard. That's hard to do too. Mm -hmm. That's very hard to do. Mm -hmm. The willingness to change your mind or your preconceptions is very difficult. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, what is one thing that we can all do today to mm -hmm. start the journey towards house hacking? Check your credit. Check your credit. Check your credit and see if there's anything on there that you don't like. If you don't like it, work on work on getting it fixed. Something that's not true, work on getting it fixed. And something that's good, reinforce it and do it again. So credit goes a long way, a ridiculously long way and being to use the leverage piece that we're talking about here. Mm. Because I don't know if you mentioned it in this one or before, but we talked about the leverage piece, like because we can invest in stocks and you know you can invest in real estate. Well, the bank is gonna give me money to invest in real estate. So I'm gonna be able to, I'm gonna be able to use the bank's money <laughs> to buy this real estate that I want. Mm -hmm. I can't use the bank's money to buy the stock that I want. So based upon that, the bank is, one, is gonna to wanna to know that my, that my credit is in good standing. So one thing I need to do now, check your credit. Don't be scared of it. Don't run from it. If it's a problem, let's get the problem fixed. Mm. Just like if you go to the doctor or or people that avoid going to a doctor. Don't do that. Find out what you can find out as early, be as informed as you possibly can mm. to get ahead of something. Because if you use the bank's money, they're going to give you a checkup. Ooh. And you don't want them finding something that you don't know that's there, right? Mm. So do that right now. And then start informing yourself. What does something, if I go to a hotel in my city, what does that cost somebody? What are they getting out of that? Is there something that I can provide? Can, can I get some of this hotel's money? Right. And can I provide even more? Like that hotel doesn't have a kitchen. They're paying 150 yep. I have a kitchen. Um, so that's a yep. scenario for if you don't own or control a property right now. If I own yep. or control a property right now, what's something I can do today? to start towards this journey of house hacking. An inventory, an inventory. What in your home, what what in your home and about your home are you using or not using? Mm. Okay, you have a home, your home is 1,500 square feet. Mm. How much of that home is being used? How much land do you have on this home? I mean, sorry, how, how big is your lot? Can you, have, do you have room to add an addition to your home? Do you have room to add a, add a garage with something above it? Can you build another little building on the outside of your home? Can you throw a tiny house on that home? Can you build, can you drop a, a storage unit on that property and get built out to make it into a studio? Can all, can any of these things be done? Do an inventory or do an analysis on the property that you own or control and see is, is, is it getting its highest and best use? That's something that we say a lot in the, in the real estate industry. Isn't that just how, we were talking about it earlier today. Right on a project that you're working on, right? Mm -hmm. We're working on with you. Is it getting its highest and best use? And sometimes you're not going to be able to do that yourself. Call on a friend. Take somebody to dinner. Take me to dinner. I love to have dinner. I love I like eating. 
take me to dinner and let's talk about what you have and is it at its highest and best use? One thing that's, go ahead. You can start the conversation from there. One thing that's really interesting to me, when I like, I'm not trying to say, like when I go to friend's house, I just notice things now that I'm, you know, a few years into this game, I just notice things. And it's, I just looking around, it's like, you have an office that you don't use because you've piled so much stuff in there. I know you don't use it because you can't get in there. And so this entire room is completely, it might as not, well, you could take this stuff and put it into a $30 storage unit and make more use of this room than what you're making right now. Or you have a basement that is used as storage. Like how much furniture, like you, you have all of your house outfitted. It's just you. You've got all these other bedrooms. It's completely yep. outfitted and nobody ever goes in there. Like what a waste. What a like capitalist, very US imperialist waste of space that we think we need to keep for ourselves. My gosh, just by renting it for $50 a night, you giving somebody else a break. They needed, they couldn't pay 150. <laughs> They needed to pay 50 and you got 50 in your pocket now. Like you did them a solid. They did you a solid. It it works out. But just to have that like impulse to store things that do not make you any money is baffling to me. Yeah, it's crazy. Look at the number of storage units Units. that are being built across the country right Right. now. Right. That is absolutely indicative of what our tendencies are, right? Um, garages. How many? How many garages that you know that don't have any cars in? Them, mm, mm. That is filled with this stuff, Girl. and and you're talking about 200, 400 square feet of livable space potentially that you can be renting for. That you can probably have a kitchenette, a couch, maybe two two beds in. That now you can make probably. 150 bucks a night off of that's totally separate from your house that's fire shielded that's I can have a whole separate entrance to it you don't have to worry about it again you can seal off the door that goes to the house from it so that only people can get there and literally you're sitting on you're sitting on maybe 1500 to $2,000 a month of income just storing crap in it right like do, do an analysis of hey where am I now What's the highest and best use? What is it going to cost me to get to where I need to be? Is it already in the home? Do I get, can I get an actual equity line to be able to get it upgraded? What can I do to make this house an asset rather than a liability? So that's something that both people who are looking to buy and people who already own or control real estate, what they can actually do today. One thing I'll add to that, I have to figure out who wrote this. Um, when I believe in the lean startup and the, the author's name who's popping up is not one that I associate with this book when I read it. Uh, it's Eric Reese popped up, but the, the lean startup says, all right, I got a hundred dollars. What can I do now with what I have? And then you figure it out. So when we're talking about low risk, high reward, that is one way you could approach this to say, you know what? I'm not going to do a $10,000 revamp uh, or a 20,000 revamp of a space in my on my property. I'm going to start with this room that is already furnished or maybe it'll cost me under 200 to furnish it and test the market. 
see if it works. Give it a test and then see if you like that money coming in every month. If you like the Absolutely. money, if it gave you a good taste, then you can mm -hmm. move on to bigger things. But True. like lean startup, test it out. Or if you're sure you're in a market, like there's certain things people can over rehab a space. Of course, you, you want to consult somebody who knows about this so that you're not putting granite countertops yeah. in a garage apartment. That doesn't make sense, you know? But <laughs> making sure that whatever choices you're making about spending money aren't just for the sake of you got to spend money to make money. No, you don't. You do oh. not. You can. You, you already spent money. Look around your house and see where the things are. Oh, this, this room needs artwork. Go grab something because you got it in your house already. This room needs a plant. Go get it from your besties house. She ain't feeding her plants anyway. Like, don't don't jump into the mindset that you always have to spend money to make money. Sometimes that is just a toxic right. mindset. Sometimes you have to look at what you have, what resources you have, what physical things you have, what people you know. What's in your yard? Plants? Go grab one. Put it in a pot. Your mama got pots in her garage. My mama got pots in her garage. Go put it in a pot. There you go. Done. Yep. Got plants. Moved on. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Yep. Yep. Or, or does does your uncle, cousin, whoever, do they know somebody who who has a, a classic car or some car that they like that they want to be stored? Clean your garage out. Ooh. Have a garage sale. Get this crap cleaned out, and then get somebody else to put this this nice car that they like in your garage. Have it covered so it's out of the elements. And then now charge them 25, 30 bucks a month to store their car in your garage that you ain't using no way. Right. Now, you're talking about lean startup, you can make money on a, on a garage sale, clean up your actual house and make a little bit of money to at least test out the market. Right. Test out that market and see if it makes sense. Have somebody pay you a couple hundred bucks a year to keep their car that that is that was sitting out somewhere in your garage and the garage that you only doing was throwing a bunch of crap in. Now you just made a small asset out of a couple square feet within your actual house or off from your house that now works and makes absolute sense. Absolutely. So start there too. Absolutely. Um, I help manage a rental property and I won't, we, I know we got to wrap up. I help manage a rental property and um, it's, it's really interesting the way people think about value add. So I just want to make a, a quick plug about what really adds value when when people go to spend on a property sometimes it's like oh we need all the decorations and all the plates and all this and all that and i'm just like that's just more stuff for your cleaner to clean more stuff for your renters to steal or break or like not that all of them still break i have great renters my renters are like can i prune your trees i'm like yeah go ahead thank you what okay well you want something for that no no you don't okay uh, you know, I have great renters, but the the like the idea that money must be spent. Oh, they need waffle irons. They probably need two. It's probably going to be a family. No, they don't. They don't. Wow. They don't even want to. Like now, you're taking up storage and making things cluttered. Like, do not, do not just spend to outfit a home the way you would live in the home. You're thinking about the yeah. place as an investment, which means minimalist when you walk into a hotel room, even one that has a kitchen, they don't have a waffle iron in there. You got nope. plates, utensils, pans, pots, done, right? Yep. Cups, yep. that's Coffee it. Maker. Like it it's minimal. You bring what you, the specialty items you need because they wanna keep things from being cluttered, keep, thing, keep from pouring money. You can keep pouring money in these things 
forever. And so it stops that kind of bleeding where you're like, they need all the chandeliers. No, they don't. Put one track light up and be done with it. So I do want to say that. But um, that that was my little ranty moment. Uh, I, I I got two more questions for you while people are running out and stealing plants from their yard. And put it in the house. <laughs> you throw auntie house digging up stuff out in front y'all. Well, Candace told me to do it. She I said she'll be cool. Wood. She will be cool. She'll be cool eventually. <laughs> you cutting off your you cutting off your grandma's dogwood tree. She don't need all Candace that tree. It's a shared economy. That's what this is. <laughs> I got two more questions for you. Um, yeah. what's, uh, do you have any book recommendations on how people can learn more or any resource recommendations? Um, yeah, so I can go on and on about that. Uh, we talked about, uh, you know, rich dad, poor dad, um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff out there and you can get in the weeds so quick. Um, but one book I like a lot, um, oh, there's a lot of them. Jeez Christ. Um, one thing I like a lot is the, uh, the house hacking strategy. Um, it's written by, um, the actual guy is Craig, uh, I can't even say the right name. I think it's Curlop, uh, C-U-R-E-L-O-P, Craig Curlop. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the really, really, really good books that talks about the house hacking strategy. Um, some other stuff that's out there, um, there's a lot of stuff on Bigger Pockets. If you guys are not familiar with Bigger Pockets, Bigger Pockets has tools and resources for days. Um, mm-hmm. the forums are loaded with information. Uh, people that write articles and blog notes, I mean, blog posts on there, you can be on there for, for months and still not get to the end of it. So take it, taking advantage of a lot of that stuff, a lot, a lot of good information. Uh, bigger Pockets was just getting started around that same time that I lost all that money um, <laughs> when, I was got, getting st- when I was getting started. So I couldn't go and find out about that. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I could probably be a bigger pocket leader if I had enough organization. Um, to sit down and actually write up stuff on a regular basis, but um, maybe I'll hire Candace to ghostwrite for me on bigger pockets at some point in time. Um, we'll see. We'll see how far we can get with that. I love but, bigger um, pockets. But yeah, bigger pockets um, gave me my start when I'm telling you, like I started nice. going through that breakup and then figuring out like how I'm going to create a life with no husband, and then like going to bigger pockets and they're them being like, oh, here's how, and here's how, and here's how, and we're gonna tell corny jokes the whole time, but give you really good information. <laughs> it was, yes, Josh Dorkin and Brandon Turner. They they don't know this, yeah. but uh, you the quote, I got the quote, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with from them. Yeah. It's, they got it from someplace yeah. else. But in my mind, Josh Dorkin and Brandon Turner were like bringing up my average. It was like, I got to drop some people from my team. I got to add some people. I'm going to add JB and I don't know Josh and Brandon, but I'm adding them. They're going to bring up my average. (laughs) And that's it. No doubt. No doubt. No, um, they, they taught me that too. So even from the time they started the podcast, all that kind of stuff, started following that like religiously, um, thought the same thing. Like, yo, this is crazy. Like, yeah, I do need to, be careful about the people that I'm around and and that I spend time with or talk to and that kind of thing. And maybe not as active as I should have been with it, but just by, I don't know if this is the right term or not, but just by natural osmosis, you tend to start to gravitate toward um, the people that are doing the things that you want to be doing. Mm. So so absolutely. Uh, so Bigger Pockets is phenomenal. 
a phenomenal resource. Um, I say join. Go ahead and get a higher than a pro membership so you can be able to, I mean, sorry, higher than the, the free the membership yeah. so you can take advantage of it. I'm a pro on there. You can actually reach out to me uh, on Bigger Pockets. Don't trip if it ain't if I'm if you don't see a bunch of stuff there. I don't comment as much as I'm used to because I honestly don't have time. I'm gonna work with y'all. I can't have time to be on Bigger Pockets as much as I'd like to be. Mm-hmm. But you can definitely reach out to me there too. But yeah, Bigger Pockets is great. Um, and then the house hacking house hacking strategy book by Craig Curlo. Um, absolutely good book. Really, really good resource for you guys. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I have to make a correction. Uh, when I was talking about the lean startup, it's called. The one hundred dollar startup, and it's by Chris. Ah, cool. Chris Gillibo, I think is. I don't speak French. It looks French. So if that gives you enough information, that'll right. look for something that looks French. It's Chris Gillibo. Um, gotcha, gotcha. So where can we find you other than Bigger Pockets? We're gonna assume that nobody here but me and you has a Bigger Pockets account. No, no, no doubt. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn. Ivan, Ivan Jenkins on LinkedIn. You can hit me up there. Um, I want to recommend the social media sites. Uh, social media is kind of like I don't really pay attention to that stuff a lot. Um, it comes in, so um, if you DM me or send me something on 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 there, um, I'll look at it. Oh, that's more personal. I'm going to ignore it more than so. LinkedIn is good for me. Um, Bigger Pockets is good for me. Um, you can reach out to the uh, our general uh, uh, email for our company is admin at langstonrealty.net. Or just go to LangstonRealty.net and leave me a note on um, contact us on LangstonRealty.net. You guys can you guys can hit us up there as well, and uh, and we'll get back with you. All right, I think we got it. Thank you for taking the time. Good. All right, my pleasure. Even my though pleasure. we had Thanks to start over several times, thank you. Hey, it's all good. I talk. I can talk. I can do this forever, <laughs> forever, forever. All right. Cool. Just a reminder, Invest Like an Artist does not give investment, finance, or legal advice. This is the beginning, not the end, of your own due diligence. To read our full disclaimer, please visit investlikeanartist.com. Invest Like an Artist is supported by The Watering Hole Poetry at twhpoetry.org and is produced by me, Carl Antonowitz, of cantocomics.com. Our theme music is by Douglas Powell, a.k.a. Roscoe Burnhams, of roscoeb.webs.com and was produced by Kyle Epps, at blcgld.com. For more helpful discussion of finance and investing, please follow us on Facebook or Instagram, or visit us at investlikeanartist.com. Thanks for listening.